This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Vader. Our podcast, Spirit Matters Talk, spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Samuel Bonder. He is the author of uh, Healing the Spirit, Matter Split, and also, uh, more recently, the book Waking Down. And he's the founder of Waking Down Work. He has been a pioneer in the widespread embodiment and mutual evolutionary exploration of awakened consciousness for over a decade. Samuel, uh, thank you so very much for coming on our podcast today. Uh, my pleasure, Dennis and Phil. Uh, it's a real, real delight to be with you. Thank you. Samuel, let's uh, begin where we usually like to begin on this podcast and uh, let people who are not familiar with your work uh, know a bit about your background. So could you fill us in a little bit about what brought you to this uh, interesting work that you do, which uh, I became aware of eight or, ten, eight or nine years ago and actually sure. mentioned in American Veda? How did you come to this? Well, uh, yeah, I certainly wasn't uh, raised to do this. I was um, <laughs> born Jewish in 1950 in New York. Uh, moved to the South, where my father worked in the, um, that was outsourcing, then was uh, the garment industry moving to the South <laughs> of the United States. And um, so I grew up in North Carolina, and mostly in Christian uh, areas, and um, didn't really have any explicit spiritual interest. I got uh, bar mitzvahed, um, but my spirituality really didn't begin until I, I got to uh, college. And um, after being involved in the anti-war movement and so on, it dawned on me without any reading anything or learning anything from anyone else, it just became oppressively evident that everybody on every side of every issue was so locked up in our own egos, it was as if we were walking around in cages. And uh, that led to a religious awakening to kind of mysterious presence of the divine, and over uh, not too very much time, uh, exposure to the teachings of Martin Buber on Val on one side, and the beat poets and electric Kool-Aid <laughs> acid test on the other. <laughs> and then in the summer of 1970, I read uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, and immediately afterward had a kind of blow-out samadhi experience that pretty well derailed all my career plans and so on and uh, set me on a quest. And I was one of the people in our our time who I just... <laughs> I, I subordinated everything to uh, trying to achieve uh, awakening or enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And my quest uh, led me to a number of uh, Indian-based... Uh, Asian Indian-based um, spiritual teachers and, and gurus, and eventually to Ramana Maharshi, uh, whose teaching on the heart really mm-hmm. kind of detonated right in my own heart. And uh, after a period of time of practicing the self-inquiry that he recommended, I realized I needed help uh, as an American, you know, young young guy, twenty whatever, three years old 
just enormous questions about what to do about life, the body, sex, food, career, mm -hmm. family, all that. I didn't feel like he was going to be of much help, particularly since he wasn't alive anymore physically. We should mention to listeners who may not know that he died the year you were born. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So, hey. uh, so um, I'm sorry, we can say something No, else? go ahead. Yeah, so anyway, shortly after that, uh, I kind of despair set in. I found uh, the teachings of uh, an American, uh, about a half a generation older than me, then named Franklin Jones, uh, who proposed that he was something of a spiritual son to Maharshi, or in any case, had benefited tremendously from his work. And... I was attracted to become a devotee, and this is a man who then became eventually known as Dafri John or Adi Da. And I was there for nearly 20 years, uh, um, a writer, editor, educator in his community, and uh, went through the uh, uh, wonderful and challenging journey of uh, being with uh, that powerful uh, an adept. Uh, and, and really very unconventional teacher in many ways. And um, uh, he was not, <laughs> over the years, particularly impressed with <laughs> pretty much anybody's progress on the path. Um, but at some point, uh, uh, though I was, you know, my, my style was to be uh, more the good and, and as obedient as possible type of disciple, um, as I grew a little older, uh, it became evident to me that I was kind of losing my purchase there, and uh, there were some incidents that took place uh, that led me to leave his work and to kind of complete the story in a very summary way. Apparently, leaving was what my spirit needed to mm -hmm. be able to reach a fundamental the goal of a basic awakening that had eluded me all those years, and uh, and then very quickly, and this is in late 1992, early 93, it was evident that I was having a kind of transmission effect. My my energy and presence were were activating changes in others around me, and I resolved. I uh, felt well, you know, if I could awaken under the circumstances of leaving more or less in disgrace from such a powerful guru. Um, maybe anybody who's got a real strong desire to awaken can do so. And so I dedicated myself to seeing what it would take to make that possible. Mm -hmm. And thus has emerged uh, what's now generally known as waking down in yeah. mutuality. And we're going through some differentiation. So some different names are coming out from some of the other mm -hmm. teachers I, I, but, uh, it, but I've been doing it ever since. I, Daniel, I, 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 Daniel, I wanted to ask you, uh, Dafri John, there was a, a certain amount of uh, scandal associated with him uh, around the mid-80s, I know. And without getting into all the detail of that, uh, was it a situation where you felt you were with a teacher that you learned from a, a lot from, but that perhaps his particular lifestyle or some of the things he did were not appropriate, were maybe even scandalous, but even with that, even with his flaws, you were able to learn a lot uh, from him. Would, would, would that, would that oh, be correct? Absolutely so, yes. 
I was able to, to learn and, and, you know, more than learn to be nurtured by this uh, living, great, uh, we could say divine, the word had all kinds of connotations, but this, you know, this great spirit presence that he radiated. Uh, and, you know, I, I, since these, these matters of our humanity vis-a-vis our divinity are, you know, <laughs> they're not going away, mm-hmm. uh, even today. And, uh, you know, to me, one of the, one of the things I've always said about uh, Dafri John Adidal is that he always made it very explicit and clear what kind of teacher he was going to be. And uh, so he, didn't, he never did, in my view, he never did anything that contradicted what were, in effect, the terms of the spiritual relationship with him. Mm. Now, some of his ways of teaching were very controversial by other people's standards, uh, but to me, uh, my leaving was not because I disagreed with his teaching methods. Now, later coming into my own approach, I, uh, I, I, I take issue with some of the premises that he based all that on, Mm-hmm. But uh, I never, I never felt like he scandalized us. Okay. I felt he was very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Mm. Phil? To the outside world, it certainly didn't look that way. But um, yeah. I can understand what you mean. But as long as we're on the subject, um, much of what he did was um, described either by him or others as what in the East is uh, often called crazy wisdom, and. Um, a lot of unconventional uh, teaching methods are uh, uh, gathered under that rubric, um, and sometimes um, there's uh, people that can be wounded by them. Uh, can you explain your sense of what that term means, and it let us? Know, I, I'm curious whether he himself used it. Oh, very much so. Yeah, that's what I thought. Very much so. Uh, that was exactly one of the phrases that he used for it. And, uh, yeah, my understanding of it uh, was and, and, and is that uh, crazy wisdom is hopefully and presumably skillful means or methods uh, mm-hmm. deployed by people who have uh, realized some quality of ego transcendence to kind of, uh, you could say, upset the apple cart mm. of people's ego structures and habits and proclivities and patterns that are presumed by the teacher to be actual impediments to that individual's otherwise expressed aspiration mm-hmm. for spiritual transcendence and growth. Uh, you know, again, as I mentioned a minute ago, to me, once I left Adidas' work, uh, it was <laughs> just telling some, a little more of my own story. It was very obvious that uh, I had luckily no inclination to try to do the crazy wisdom style of teaching because mm. I would have sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't have what it took to do that, to be that way with people. But uh, in in my approach, and uh, out of my wife Linda, Linda Gross Bonder, and uh, other teachers who uh, I either initially trained or who have been trained by those who've you know, kind of been in our stream, 
Billy, we've uh, what we're finding is that um, uh, the, a kind of a new, more naturally integrated and both human and humane uh, embodiment of these great spiritual principles is possible uh, more on the basis of trust, mutuality, and agreement uh, between student and teacher, say, than an assumption on the teacher's part that they've you know, they've, they've, they've got to kind of blow people's minds and mm. mm-hmm. uh, overturn overturn them, uh, their their money changer temples, uh, the, <laughs> uh, the tables in the temple. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that's one of the really, really cutting-edge uh, debates that's, that's now, you know, uh, I mean, every now and again it comes up strongly, you know, what... What methods are okay for teachers to use and what aren't? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a big deal. Yeah. I think it's a really important conversation. Right. S- Not easy to resolve. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, uh, everybody knows what waking up uh, refers to. What does waking down refer to? And, and uh, obviously, it's a it's a very catchy title uh, uh, for a, a uh, you know a spiritual path. Uh, what? Why did you come up with the term waking down? Well, um, precisely, I, I think it, it it came to me as a, a phrase that might catch people's attention because mm-hmm. it's <clears throat> it's what actually happened in my own process. Um, the I mean, you know, Ramana's and Adidas influence, and that of other people like Neem Karoli Baba and, and other great saints and sages of recent times were very. Uh, helpful for me, a big piece of the process was this uh, relationship <clears throat> excuse me, that opened up with the Divine Feminine, the Goddess, you know, very mysterious stuff. And it, uh, the process for me was as consciousness awakened, I was also in effect landing much more fully in and as my bodily person. Mm-hmm. And so the waking down process was early language that came to me for a lot of what is now called embodied awakening. Mm-hmm. And, and in our work, the, the transmission current or field that gets activated will just come from the awakened teacher, but really is enlivened and, and coming forth also from uh, the student and between them, or the disciple, the practitioner. And so the, the current or the stream of the process that's underneath the words and the actions and practices takes people more and more deeply into a, a kind of necessary and inevitable integration, not only with their body and bodily energies, but also with the dimensions of uh, what's often called the shadow, the sort of disowned emotional pieces, fragments of our psyche and so on, that our spirituality may have been either <laughs> explicitly or, or inadvertently uh, something we, we engage to bypass. So our approach, and in general the waking down waking down a mutuality orientation is one that recognizes that in effect it's as if spirit itself is 
moving to integrate all of our parts. I think that's a mm-hmm. maybe a simple way to summarize it. Um, Samuel, I think we all know, and maybe were, <coughs> speaking personally, um, people who were um, influenced by uh, teachings like Advaita Vedanta and, and non-dual Buddhism um, and teachers like Ramana Maharshi and others uh, oriented toward uh, transcendence and achieving states that were described as enlightenment or waking up, and often uh, understood those to be uh, apart from what we think of as real life uh, or um, the kind of issues of relationship and work and money and all those things, and hoped uh, those things would not be (laughs) <laughs> we wouldn't have to deal with them. Right. Now, many people advanced along the spiritual path to certain degrees and then realized that that stuff wasn't going away, that we can call it an illusion, but it's here and we have to deal with it. Were you on, did you come to waking down on a, on a personal level? Did you, were you one of the people who said, okay, well, I've done this waking up stuff, but I still have to chop wood and carry water? And then did your work evolve out of your own um, personal path? Yeah, great question. Uh, and, and I definitely... Um, what wound up happening for me was I, I was attracted to uh, Adidas. I'll just use the name that stuck with him. Uh, Adidas uh, teaching, w- which addressed the very matter that that I you know I, I kind of framed that question uh, earlier. What am I going to do with you know body, health, career, food, sex, you name it? You know all of these manifest aspects of a life that are <laughs> so challenging and troubling so much of the time. And so uh, in his work and his teaching, he really was, a, I would say, a, a forerunner of a very, very profoundly embodied awakening. Mm. And his transmission and teaching and the practices he, he uh, called us to, to do were cultivating such a quality of, uh, of a kind of a holistic presence. But it really came forth much more strongly uh, in my own work after I left him, and so I already had the disposition toward bringing it down, so to speak, bringing spirit down. Uh, but uh, it, it it evolved much more as as my work unfolded, and and it was it, it, from the from the get go of, of you know when I started teaching, uh, it was just obvious that we had actually we collectively had actually, uh, in some ways, been um, philosophically and otherwise misled uh, by some of the uh, propositions of these more radical, uh, uh, quote-unquote, non-dual teachings that actually, some of them are quite quite dualistic in the sense of uh, treating matter as if it one of one of our phrases is looking looking down our non existent looking down our non existent noses at matter. 
<laughs> and material existence. You know, when you get that it not only exists, but actually is really no less divine in principle right. than transcendental unmanifest consciousness, the whole worldview goes through a big shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel, what you teach is uh, involved in spiritual awakening. So if a student comes to you with that desire to be spiritually awakened, is there, uh, in waking down, is there a technique or a series of uh, spiritual exercises that uh, you teach the students? What is your approach in regard to actually uh, getting somebody spiritually awakened? Well, our orientation is that, that, that there, there is a kind of a synergy between these three great principles waking down and mutuality. Mm-hmm. And you know, to kind of summarize it briefly, the waking aspect of it certainly involves uh, uh, exercises and studies uh, and making use of transmission uh, to clarify the nature of consciousness or our essential spiritual essence. And uh, in effect, to outgrow any uh, beliefs we have about that and beliefs we have about ourselves that are in effect preventing our moving into the, the uh, natural condition of being awake to the the great unity or or the infinite nature of, of existence and at the same time being here in our very concrete lives. Uh, so we do have practices that we propose, and different teachers in the general stream of the work that I founded go about that in different ways. Uh, for me, there's, there's certainly specific practices to help clarify the nature of consciousness or our basic awareness and realize that it's truly non-different from all of the phenomena that, uh, that we may experience. The down and mutuality aspects are equally <laughs> important, and the work we do to come down and to integrate, recognize, and, and integrate our shadow material in nature, and to open out into the, the reality of relatedness, it's not just about a self coming into some perfect state in itself. Those aspects of the process are quite profoundly empowering mm-hmm. for people, even with respect to the awakening of consciousness. So are you saying that the uh, in, inward awakening uh, or the waking up part of um, becoming aware of uh, the true nature of, of the self and the uh, waking down part of paying attention to areas of life that um, require attention are mutually reinforcing? Yes. I mean, I I don't, personally, I don't often talk about the waking aspect as waking up, per se, Mm -hmm. because there may not be any sense of ascent Mm. in the process. Um, but but that that intuitive access to the unconditional side, so to speak, of reality 
synergizes with attention to and and specific kind of work that really needs to be customized for each individual. That's been one of the one of the great reasons why our work has uh, very successfully helped lots of people go through awakenings, and quite a number become themselves uh, awakened uh, transmitting teachers, mm-hmm. is that the process is not mm-hmm. assumed to be some abstract thing that applies to everyone equally because we're all just really the infinite uh, divine spirit reality, but rather that there's specific uh, address to the unique circumstances and qualities of each person and their karmas and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. That's what really right. has made it effective, even mm-hmm. though you know it's it's not a mass teaching for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Samuel, do you consider yourself fully awakened, and, and are there still procedures and spiritual practices that you engage in? or teachers that you have uh, for continued growth, or are you exactly where you want to be? No, I thank you, Dennis. Uh, great question. Uh, uh, I'm less and less inclined as time goes on even to use that word fully in front of awakened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all works in progress uh, here. And, we, 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 I and, certainly uh, would agree, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, in terms, of, in terms of my own learning and growth, I am... You know, it sounds like a wonderful kind of R and I grand cliche. Oh, I learned from all kinds of sources, but it's much humbler than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really there are lots of things that that you know I I need help with. Uh, if you are assuming that the whole human dimension of anybody's reality is equally in principle as divine and real as any other part, then all of this. Uh, manifest humanness and these different parts of us. Uh, there's a lot of growth and learning to be had, and so much of the learning that I'm undergoing at any given time, and there's always a bunch. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting taught by all kinds of uh, teachers and sources, many of which, as it happens, have little to do with spirituality per se. Right, um, Samuel, you you uh, spent 20 years with a teacher who operated, well, unconventionally, but in a uh, guru-disciple uh, manner. And now you're in the teaching capacity for some years. How do you relate to students, and do you find people wanting uh, to treat you like a guru? Do you hold yourself as a guru in the traditional way? How do you uh, define your relationship to the students? Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, another great question. And uh, Linda and I don't use the word guru as a kind of defining term because it's it's so loaded these days. Yeah. <laughs> I've been joking for years. It's it's become a four-letter word. <laughs> and interestingly enough, yeah. you put all kinds of other words in front of it, and it it it, it works fine on CNN. You know, money guru, health that's guru, right. sex right. guru. But just to be a guru is like, whoa, that's dangerous. And I think it's reflective of of uh, on one level the kind of transposition of cultural, all kinds of cultural stuff between East and West. Mm-hmm. And on another, I do feel that. Uh, uh, there's a, a great next phase purification and evolution underway 
for the the very principle, mm-hmm. the fundamental meaning of the term, a term like you know such as guru. <laughs> so you know there there are different qualities of the ways that people coincide in this mysterious adventure of whatever we want to call it, the the great quest, uh, the the spiritual journey. Uh, I once did an online course called uh, Souls Flashing Forward into Joy uh, that looked at different traditions and how teachers and students have uh, historically coincided. And uh, I feel like we're we're in a next phase uh, opening and transition here. And to answer the, the rest of the question there, uh, I myself and Linda is my, my certainly primary partner. Would, we we make ourselves available as teachers. We don't. Uh, we we do urge people to make use very directly of the transmission that that we're radiating. It's not just kind of floating in the sky uh, abstractly, and to. Uh, attend carefully to our teachings and so forth, and to work with us closely if that's what they're moved to do. Uh, but one of the things we do emphasize, speaking of the mutuality process, uh, aspect of the process, we emphasize that the 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 listening and the, in many ways, receiving of transmission from the other has to go in both directions in order for the relationship to be... Mm-hmm as fruitful as possible. And so what it then becomes is uh, something in the range of the teacher-student relationship uh, that each, with each individual, we, like I and, and the, you know, the individuals I work with, we, we find what works best for us and what's true for us, what's real. Mm-hmm. Some people have... <coughs> in association with uh, uh, me or Linda or any number of other people as uh, awakened friend, helper, teachers, they feel a really quite profound opening of a devotional recognition. And in in my view, that's not to be uh, made wrong or suppressed or stifled but rather worked with so that it can achieve and, and can support optimal autonomy and true mutuality and, and ultimately the, the outgrowing of uh, the, kind of the power differential of teacher and student. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and never, uh, you know, one of, one of the errors of uh, some of these uh, traditional paths and some of, the, some of what's contributed to the scandals uh, is you know putting the the guru person on uh, a pedestal as if they had no karmas, they mm-hmm. had no limiting uh, <laughs> shadow material that they haven't perfectly investigated and worked with and all that. Um, and and the, the devotion also like <laughs> well, I once wrote an essay titled "Devotion Like Sex Should Be Practiced by Mutually Consenting Adults Buying Clothes." <laughs> 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 it's an intimate thing, and if it awakens, it, it's, it's got a lot of power in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like the other aspects of the teacher-student relationship. So to me, I think the summary thing I want to say here is I feel that teachers and students should get eye-to-eye with one another, and not only at the outset, but also again and again, continually refresh between them. Well, what's going on between us? What's working for me? What's working for you? Let's meet here and hash this out rather than have some kind of formula that both of us are supposed to conform to that we, we may be outgrowing. Right. Very so, good. Uh, Samuel, I, I wanted to ask, uh, you, you uh, lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts in the late 60s, early 70s. You graduated from Harvard, I believe, in 1972. And that was really a hot of spirituality and spiritual awakening in the culture. And it's the kind of stuff that, that Phil uh, uh, deals with in his book, uh, American Veda, how this Eastern... Uh, thinking, uh, techniques, and all was, was blossoming in, in the West. Uh, if you go to if you go to Harvard Square now, if you go to Cambridge and you're in that area, do you think there's as much interest? Do you think we, as a, a culture uh, in the United States, have continued to evolve in in, in regard to uh, spiritual awakening? Because there seems to be less on the surface, but or maybe there's more on the surface now. I don't know, but I just wanted to hear your. If, if you count yoga studios, there's more on the surface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you count yoga studios and you count things like uh, Oprah's uh, Super Soul Sunday. And right, right, right. That great, great thing we did that she did with uh, Eckhart Tolle when his second book, A New Earth, came out. And she did that webinar that had, I don't know. I, I guess my question is more. Than, yeah, it was more. What was that? I guess my question is more. Uh, back then, everybody seemed to be talking about it, at least uh, younger people. Uh, today, maybe they... Uh, it doesn't seem to be the case that there's as much interest, but maybe maybe it's it's more uh, uh, in the culture now, and it's not so radical a thing to talk about, and it is discussed more than I think. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was just wondering um, when you get students, uh, Kivo come in. Do you get many uh, younger college age students? Uh, I wouldn't say so many college age. Mm-hmm. Um, but we there's there's a lot of uh, pulse among the uh, people in their twenties, the millennials, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, there's a there's a lot of interest in this, and you know I think I think you're you're framing a really good um, a, a good question there. Clearly, there's a lot more on the surface, and and a, and a lot more acceptance. I mean, look at what, what's happened with mindfulness. Right. Um, so that's one side of it. On the other side of it, you have people, for instance, in the, uh, the integral community, uh, especially the ones you know, generally influenced by Ken Wilber, who are asking questions like, uh, should we leave spirituality out of integral? Huh. Because it's you know, not, uh, it doesn't go down well uh, in a more public context. I, I gather that's part of the reason they're asking that. So I think there's a there's a a surface level acceptance, but you know, when you go into a yoga studio, how many people there are actually interested in yoga as what it was originally intended, hatha yoga? Good point. Which is essentially one of the earlier stages of mastery that are going to take you into a pretty radical. Uh, disintegration of everything you've known yourself to be 
in order for the ultimate goal of yoga to be achieved. Yeah. I don't know how much interest there is in that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I also think, uh, just to editorialize a bit, those of us of a certain age uh, tend to uh, exaggerate the amount of interest there was that's true, right? Because it was the people we were hanging out with, <laughs> but there were a lot of others. Um, that's 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 true, and and I think also that that that's that's not really. I think that's kind of built into human nature. Yeah, that, yeah. that there's always going to be a few for whom this kind of thing taken all the way is something they got to have. And most other people partake of pieces and that's right. integrate that into their lives as they are. And that's, right. that's good. I mean, Linda and I have a whole division of our Human Son Institute. We haven't developed it as much as we'd like to yet, but it's going to be called uh, Optimal Total Wellness. And mm-hmm. uh, it's all about helping people ease stress and increase joy. Yeah, which is often the first step to something more. That's right. Um, you know, so speaking of Linda, you're married. You 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 uh, are in uh, in the marriage, and you also work together. And I see in your bio that you also play golf. So my question is, which is the bigger spiritual challenge, marriage <laughs> or golf? <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Nobody ever asked that one before. That's a really great question. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we've been together for uh, more than 20 years, uh, married formally and legally in 2000, so a little over 15 years. And uh, the more challenging times of the marriage uh, when we, were when we were younger, uh, at this point, um, our marriage is, uh, it's a delight. And the short answer to your question is golf is infinitely more challenging <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Linda, Linda would say that I'm pretty good at the marriage thing. And I certainly feel she is, and, and I feel good about us both. <laughs> and man, golf is that's a whole other matter. Golf is much more complicated. <laughs> Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, plus, I don't, you know, unlike, I mean, I live in my marriage every single day, 24-7. Yeah, yeah. Golf is only something I get to do, unfortunately, rarely. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Samuel, thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Phil, any final uh, questions? Yeah, I'd like uh, to ask uh, Samuel, Samuel to tell our listeners uh, what he and Linda are up to in the coming months and uh, what um, they might be able to participate in and how best to find out more about their work. Yeah, great. Well, um, I'll answer the second part there first. Um, you can contact us at uh, info at sanielandlinda.com and the the name Samuel is spelled like Daniel with an S. So S-A-N is in Nancy, I-E-L. Samuel and A-N-D, Linda, L-I-N-D-A dot com. Info at SanielLinda.com. We put out uh, mailings something like once a week. It's you know once once every week to ten days or two weeks, generally. You can also go to SanielAndLinda.com and check out our calendar for upcoming offerings. Uh, as it happens this week, uh, we're recording on January 11th, 2016. This week we're announcing our 2016 schedule. Uh, of uh, what we're calling Waking Down in Mutuality Explorations. 
So coming up very soon, we have a 13-session online, what we call virtual seminar. Uh, and you'll be able to get a description of how that works uh, from us. Uh, we'll be doing weekend intensive retreats in multiple cities around the country. Uh, coming up in, here in Sonoma, where we live, uh, March, uh, the first weekend of March, March 5th and 6th, April 2nd and 3rd in Arlington, Virginia, D.C. area, uh, mid-May in Chicago and other places, Atlanta and other cities uh, will be announcing. And those are Saturday and Sunday intensives on waking down and mutuality. And I've been doing a, uh, a kind of a podcast course um, uh, for a while now. It's going to be 50 sessions. It's a recitation and commentary on my book, Waking Down, which was actually written in 1998. I've been at this for about 23 years now. So uh, it's, a, it's an updating and uh, kind of refreshing and a, a new look at uh, material I wrote a long time ago. Very so those are some of the things coming up, and we also have lots of other offerings, residential retreats and uh, so forth, and people can learn more at our website and from our mailings. All right, then. Very good. Folks, Thank you know you. how to get a hold of Samuel, and you can get a hold of us at uh, just go to spiritmatterstalk.com. And I want to ask listeners if, uh, to make the effort to go to that uh, our site and to uh, subscribe so we can send you information. It's free to subscribe and uh We'll get you that information. And if you want to email us and ask us any questions about any of our guests, we'll be happy to get that information to you. Samuel, uh, thank you again so very much for coming on. Oh, it's been my pleasure, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Keep up the good work. Okay, thank you. You guys too.